This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, villains get United Kid Care, but it's no steal. And it's another hoop in the loop for a Dundee loan deal. Hello and welcome to another Twa Teams One Street. You know what I mean. Transfer. Window special. I'm Tom Duthie. Uh, I'll provide the nonsense and providing the gravitas this week are George Cran. Hello, George. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, Bear. Hello, everyone. While you're on, I, I want to point out that I wasn't at that party on May the 20th, but no. I was partying on down because that was the same day that Dundee beat Kilmarnock 2 1 in the playoff at Dens. Oh, no. Is that why? Is that why well, Boris and his cronies had the party? Is that's it? probably Absolutely. why there was a party. They were all that, that, oh, well, I've changed my opinion. It was more than justified <laughs> then. <laughs> Everybody was at a party that night except Kilmarnock fans. The whole world was partying Dundee's promotion. So that's that, so it was perfectly fine then. No no rules were broken. That's it. We don't need a, this, this <laughs> civil servant to conduct an inquiry. We've done it for them. Let's continue as normal. Talking of which, that was almost a link there. <laughs> the pot's simmering. It's not boiling yet, but there's plenty, uh, plenty what? Plenty talk, plenty gossip, plenty rumour about arrivals. And we'll start with Dundee this week. And I see that they've, as usual, thrown in a name that's very hard to pronounce until <laughs> you've heard it once. Um, Dundee have been linked with Celtics. Ozazi, he's trying to read it, but his eyes aren't good. Urugidi? <laughs> George, you can ask nice him try. how to pronounce his name. Yeah, he, not, uh, I've, that's the first time I've ever heard, ever heard it said out loud, I have to say. I've, I've read it ah, a few yeah. times. I, I know yeah. of him being at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I thought it was a good signer when Celtic got him in the summer. So I, it's a, it's actually, there's a, there, I was thinking, George, when I looked at his... Biography is it? Uh, it would be nice if he came because there's probably a feature in this lad because he's Dutch. But if you look at his career, the one place he never seems to have played right down to youth level is the Netherlands. So, yeah, I think he moved to he moved to yeah he moved to England when he was a kid. Um, Nigerian parents as well, I I believe. So there's all sorts of. Oh, so there's a whole different experiences for him there. Two, um, two page spread with some great yeah. pictures there. So yeah. that's it. When they need to sign him for you. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so don't care if you can play. There's a story to be told there. And it's got experience of the English Championship, which is obviously a tough league. You have to be big and strong defender to, to cope in that league. Sheffield uh, Wednesday were in real trouble last season when he was there, and they ended up going down. Pretty sure it wasn't his fault. So, um, but I think I think he's one that Celtic uh, see a, a big future for. I mean, they give him a four-year contract, which tells you a lot. That wasn't. They're not seeing it as yeah, just it's a, a long-term project. Yeah, they're not seeing it as a gamble. So, they would like to see him get some action in the Premiership. Dundee need a defender, central defender anyway. He can play it right back as well, which helps. Um, Dundee need a bit of help at the back because the, the defence is just going by the numbers is, is the worst in the league and obviously they've lost Lee Ashcroft it seems like a a good fit for both parties and obviously it comes with the backdrop of what's going on with, with Lee, Lee Griffiths and Yeah I was going to say is this, could this be a kill two birds with one stone thing that Celtic persuade Dundee to keep Griffiths and do a nice deal for this lad as well Yeah I don't see why not I mean Dundee, well, Dundee have moved to um, basically send Lee Griffiths back and Celtic would prefer that he stay at Dundee um, to see out the end of his deal uh, at Parkhead because his contract ends in the summer um, I mean we, we all know it hasn't worked as well as anyone hoped uh, Griffiths coming to Dundee and it makes sense with it I, I don't know how much money they're paying of his wages but it'll have been a, a sizable chunk I would imagine or a decent money for Dundee anyway and they'd obviously prefer to use that money elsewhere in January if they can do a deal with Celtic that gets them to cut that number down so they can use some of that cash elsewhere 
and then if they get a a good young defender in Arho Gaidi, um, that's, that's my best attempt at it. We'll, we'll find out soon well, enough. Hopefully, you grew up in Dumfries. It's a lot easier <laughs> to Holland and England. It's further away. Have you ever looked at a map? Um, if they can get him in the door, that that'd probably be a decent bit of business. Yeah, Bear, is it one of these things? If you if you end up with a a player you want, plus basically one way or another, a player that's free or next to uh, next to free uh, in the shape of Griffiths for the mm-hmm. next few months, it wouldn't be a bad deal at all. As George says, Celtic seem to rate this lad and want him first team game time. Uh, without wishing to drag more politics into football, it looks, it looks like a wee bit of manoeuvring by Dundee here um, with, with the Griffiths thing. I mean, obviously, if, if they want to send Griffiths back, they would surely just, just go ahead and do it. I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to maybe cut some sort of deal to get obviously get Griffiths a wee bit, of, bit of cheaper, I would I would suspect, and and, and get this, this lad in. I'm always worried with Sazi Uro Gidi. Oh, there's there's my good attempt effort. at his name. I'm always yeah. I'm always yeah. concerned when we struggle to pronounce a name. Never mind spell it, Tom. When you work in journalism yes. and you get spell, a name you like know that, spelling was never a thing that I'd bother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're guaranteed until it's gone in the paper about a dozen times. No one seems to get it absolutely spot on. Um, and usually, the, one of the one of the journalists will come up with a nickname for him. Big uh, Aussie or something like that. So that big that'll do, yeah, that that'll do for us. We'll, we'll a get bit that. Of in the team. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see the way it, the way it pans out, Tom. I mean, they are desperately needing cover at, at the back, as we saw that just before Christmas with, with Ashcroft being out. I mean, he's been a big miss. Um, the guys that are there have, have done done a job, but they're light. They're light on cover. If one of them goes down injured, we know that Liam Fontaine, um, you know, he's had injury problems in the past. They really are. They're down to the bare bones, and they would have to start shoveling people in there that maybe didn't normally play in in, in the centre of defence, and it's such an important position. If Dundee are going to get themselves clear of the relegation trouble, they're going to have to be a wee bit tighter at the back than they were in the period leading up to the break, shall we say. So they need to get someone in. And they can do with getting someone in pretty quickly. Now, I've got to say, Osazi Urohidi is someone I do not really know. But I'll, I'll, I'll go with George's uh, judgment on Didn't him. Then they send and, me a Christmas card. Yeah, I'll go with George, <laughs> George's judgment and... Uh, as he says, I mean, he's obviously got talent or he would not be at Celtic Park. So, yeah, hopefully they could get that one over the line and, and, and soon term. Yeah, sounds like the kind of quality uh, they need. The other thing that struck me as you were speaking about them being down to the bones here was they've got Jordan McGee there um, that can play at centre-half and is very versatile. But the way he finished last season in central midfield, you thought he would be a fixture. But for one reason or another, injuries to him and to others, he's not really had the chance to play there as much as you would like, eh, George? Yeah, I mean, he was he was tremendous last season. They, they actually I had the whole running start that he hadn't been beaten as a, a midfielder for a, until they got to the Premiership, really, um, when they'd been <laughs> using them in midfield. They, had, they hadn't lost a game. Um, and yeah, I'd... I'd Always a, a wee bit concerned in the Premiership if he's used at centre half. I think he's a good player, but whether he's big enough, that's, that was always my worry. And Dundee aren't a very big team on the whole, but Dunes and Pick certainly prefers him as a midfielder. Um, yeah. And would want him bombing up because he's got real serious energy about him. He just keeps going and going. And speaking last week to the manager, just after we did last week's podcast, um, he actually brought up. John McGee said he, he's looking really, really good in training. That he's the surgery that sorted out his knee that really seems to have paid off. And uh, him and him and Sean Byrne were, were looking in really good nick. So you get obviously Sean Byrne's coming back. He's started training again on Saturday. Charlie Adams back in full training. The midfield is starting to look again very strong. You got Max Anderson as well. So if you've got Paul McGowan. To go in there as well. I mean, we may see John McGee used elsewhere if needs be at fullback or, or whatever. So he's a very handy player to have, but James Pick certainly prefers him as, as that midfielder getting in the box and getting on the end of Charlie Adams' long balls sometimes. And talking of midfield, 
another player linked, Canadian international, Jay Chapman. What can you tell about him? Um, he's a free agent. He left Inter Miami in November. Um, I thought it was Inter Milan at first. I was so excited. <laughs> well, nothing, some, against, nothing against Inter Miami. Some but serious names, and that's David Beckham's club, remember? It's so Phil Neville. Well, he can come and coach. play. Yeah. <laughs> so can Phil he Neville if you played want. played with Gonzalo Higuain and, and his, his wee brother. Uh, who else was there? Lewis Morgan was there. Who's now moved on to LA Galaxy? No, New York Red Bulls. Sorry. Uh, so there's quite a few names in there that he's played with. Um, he played for Toronto before as well. Um, so he's a free agent. I think if something's going to happen on that, it'll have to happen fairly soon because we're almost in the middle of the month now, and there's some red tape to get through. Brexit's thrown in a few new rules and stuff for getting in overseas players. So. There's a bit of paperwork to sort out in that. You would hope. I know. I, I looked and saw he was born in Ontario. You'd hope he'd have some sort of link to this he's, country. He's, and you... His dad. His dad is English, which well, that helps. I I thought would ease ease the path. Apparently, it's not quite as easy as it used to be. But get him apply okay. for a passport. Yeah, his dad's English. Get him over here. <laughs> get it sorted. Um, so that'd be an interesting one. Obviously, they've never seen him in person, so that's that's always a, a risk. Um, they would like to do that before they sign him, I would expect. That in itself is an obstacle, Bear, because he is. He, I, I, I don't think he's by any means a regular for Canada, but he is an international player, and international players can often say, "No, you you don't need me on trial." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I don't think he'd be coming over for Dundee to have a look at. I don't think that'd be on the cards. Whether he could fit into the Scottish game, Tom, is probably a bigger question. You know, I mean, uh, George Hubert would tell us this has spent, he's obviously spent his time in America and Canada. Has he been on in Europe at all to play? No, but um, I'm, I understand that he's keen to come across here. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, it's very uh, academic and he'd, he'd quite like to continue some studies over here while he's being a professional footballer. So there's a bit of a brain well, in there, I think. Apply to Dundee University then. <laughs> I think he might be looking higher than. Dundee Uni. But how dare you? How dare you? Well, St Andrews <laughs> is just over the water, isn't it? It's... Ah, Fife though. <laughs> patch on Dundee. Yeah. Dundee knocked back Prince William. That's what I say. <laughs> St Andrews was his was, second choice. Yeah, that was Aberdeen, wasn't it? So. A fine university. My daughter yeah. went to Aberdeen. <laughs> Not got any more to say about it. <laughs> That would be a question for me as well. I mean, if he's coming over and he's looking to sort of do something else on top of playing football, is his mind really on the game? Yes, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't like. I don't, and he's he's still what, is he twenty eight or something like that? I don't. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear about his academic aspirations. <laughs> well, there's previous. Uh, Julia, uh, remember Julian next to Buguren, uh did a fine job for Dundee. He, he yeah. The reason he was in this country was because he was studying. And East Fife picked him up, and then Dundee picked him up. I think so. he, had, I think he had to attend one lecture a week, and by the time he left Dundee, he'd attended ten times more lectures than he'd played games. <laughs> so I think we could remember that too. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. worked out well. Uh, I think the difference is with him though. He he actually came over to study and got a club. This guy's coming yes. over with a club and uh, with the attention at a university, yeah. <laughs> going study. Um, <laughs> as his mind on it in a relegation battle, Dundee have got Dundee have mm. got to hit the ground running, George. That's what I'm trying to say. So. Yeah. You know, the, the, game start, the game start next week is, is yeah. vital that everybody is, is focused on yeah. the job in hand. There are more important positions they need to fill as well. He's, he's an attacking midfielder, so they've got a couple of them. But And it, it seems there might be a departure as well. Jason Cummings has got, could be faced with that age-old difficult choice of does he get a 20-minute flight to <laughs> Belfast or a 24-hour flight to Sydney? Yeah, well, both Linfield and Central Coast Manors look like decent moves. I, I would say Linfield are top of their league. They, they're the champions. They play in Europe. They play in the Champions League qualifiers. So there's always that attraction. But then there's life in Australia. And I haven't. Oh, you've watched more than a A league than me. But I get the feeling he would he would cope quite well down there. I think he'd score quite a few goals. Yeah, I think he'd like it. I always I, I often watch. Uh, the A-League games on a Saturday morning and it's all based on the fact there's no relegation. So home and away, teams just go for it. And if you've <laughs> lost, 
if you've lost three or four in a row, it doesn't seem to change their, their tactics. They still just go for it. So as a striker, uh, with his ability, because despite what the commentators who like to go world class, might world class, it's not really. <laughs> it's it's entertaining, but it's not always it's not always the highest uh, class mm. you'll see. So you would think he would get if he if he screwed the nut, you think he would get chances there, Baron. Having yeah. having said what we said, Bear about Chapman, that we're wanting them to focus on Dundee's needs. Mm-hmm. If you if you're a 26 year old offered Linfield in January or West Coast Mariners in January, yeah, yeah, one of them's going to turn your head a wee bit. There would there would naturally only be one choice for the vast majority of people, Tom. But this is Jason Cummins we are talking about <laughs> now. Will he end up at Linfield? I've got to say. Jason Cummins, George is right. If he, if he plays in a team that creates a lot of chances, Jason Cummins will score goals. I still think that Jason Cummins, um, you know, could have could have done it for Dundee. Unfortunately, he was playing with a team that the chances certainly at this level were limited, and there was other issues as well, obviously, which is which is have reared their head in in recent weeks, which haven't helped his cause. So a move would be the best for all parties, I think, Tom, and. You know why not? I mean, I, I think if he can get his head straight and, and get his head around it, and the contracts, contracts, like why not go to Australia and and, and sort of see see what it's like and, and just enjoy the experience and enjoy a long football. a long way away yeah. with fewer distractions. Perhaps. Yeah, well, there might not be fewer distractions by the way, then. But he might develop. He might develop them as, as, as yeah, time as, passes. As but initially, on. but he should be looking at himself. George was he twenty six? Jason Cummins twenty eight. He's still got a lot of good years ahead of him if he, if he, if he screws it not. That's that's the bottom line for Jason Cummins. He can still make a, a decent career and make decent money over the next five, six, seven years if he wants to, but it's all down to Jason Cummins, Tom. He's got to he's got to get, get himself straight and focus on the one thing that that you know he's good at and that you know that's playing football. So that's that's up up to Jason Cummins to get himself sorted out on that one. I think as well, going go there now because the way their, their season's shifted so that they're playing at the same time as us, it can be a route back, not just for Scottish players, for European players. You go there and get regular game time. Come the, come the January transfer window, if you're coming to the end of your contract with them, you can get a move back to Europe because unlike so many players that sign at this time of year, you're playing regularly. Uh, and if you're doing well in that league, it can be a way to get back and resurrect your career over here. Never mind have a nice time in Australia. Mm-hmm. I I get the feeling it might be one that Dundee will wait until they get a another striker in because obviously we yeah. talked last week about Lee Griffiths. If he goes then and Cummings goes, then it's only really Danny Mullen that's the option. So Cummings is out of contract at the end of the season, so he can speak to whoever he wants at the moment. But if he was to leave in this window, obviously Dundee would need to do a deal. So I, I think it would be one of those where Dundee will get somebody in and then they'll, they'll let Cummings go. Yeah, and well, Cummings might go, uh, George, see from your notes. James McPake, after the problems he had uh, over the festive period, there might not be too many more departures uh, on loan in this window. Yeah, I think um, it was quite interesting that. I, I think that may be one of the issues that Dundee are finding on the other side, trying to get players in because clubs want to keep as big a squad as they possibly can to avoid big issues over any COVID or potential COVID infections like Dundee had at Aberdeen, where a, a player tested positive on the morning of the game and then suddenly there's six players ruled out and... It's a bit chaotic, really, and obviously the we all talked about the the bench they had and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so we could well see a bigger squad than usual uh, for for a lot of clubs. Um, I think that, as I said, trying to get other teams to allow players to leave, they're reticent to do that until they they're sure what they've got in at the end of the window. So with the, all that kind of stuff in mind it feels like it's going to be last day or getting right to the getting right to the wire when stuff really starts to to happen and domino effect and all that sort of stuff um but yeah we could see josh mulligan he's coming back finn robertson and declan mid i think their loans 
end at the weekend. So they'll all be back in the squad uh, ahead of next Tuesday's game. To, to both, obviously, thicker numbers for, for James Bick to pick from. And that may be something he looks to maintain beyond the end of the transfer window rather than let players go out alone and then they get caught caught uh, short of bodies. That's a, I would say, George, that's a wee bit unfortunate, for, especially in the midfield yeah. area. We've, we've rattled off probably four or five senior pros here we expect to be pushing for places. And there, there's still another two or three guys all trying to get into three spots. You, th- you know, it's, it's unfortunate the way things have panned out because they really need to play. They really yeah. need to, a loan deal is ideal for some of them at this point in time in their development. So well, can I, see can, how I can it, understand James yeah. McPake's point totally because yeah. you just only have to go back to uh, the, the game at Aberdeen when they were down to the bare bones because of because of COVID mm-hmm. and um, players testing positive. If that scenario happened again, then you know he would get sort of the book thrown at him for leaving these guys out on loan when he could have had them back at Dens. But as you see, every club is going to be in the same boat. So a lot of guys are, you know, hopefully if the, if the you know if the the virus is going in the, in the, in the right direction and the, there's less sort of players being tested positive. It's a good thing, but in a, in a way, it's a bad thing because it means a lot of clubs will have a lot of players on their books sitting yeah. twirling their thumbs and not getting anywhere near a first team. If only we had a real reserve league. Yep. Because you can play, you can, I mean, the great thing about the, the old reserve league was if you needed a game, there was always games to be played and it wasn't the end of the world if you were so short that you couldn't play these games. I mean, it wasn't a, yeah. it wasn't a catastrophe or a disaster, but you could keep boys reasonably fit. Yeah, and there's there's very few under twenty games, I think, as well at the moment because of COVID. They, they kind of stopped that, so it's that's where Dundee were caught a bit at, uh, with that Aberdeen game because they had a lot of their young players were out on loan at uh, junior teams and stuff like that, so they couldn't then call them back up. Um, but I agree with what Bear says. Is I think it's a balance. Tricky balance to, to find. You can see the impact that's had for Josh Mulligan, how well he's done at Peterhead, and it's kind of propelled him in uh, the kind of attention of Dundee fans because he could see some of the goals that he scored have been tremendous. Um, so it's done him the world of good being out at Peterhead. And, and James McPake said there's a, there's a whole bunch of clubs asking after him. So he could whether if he, st- he could well stay at Dundee and push for a for that right back slot with, with Kamikera, or he, he could be moving up to the Championship uh, for the rest of the season. And you have to say, although the, in terms of new faces, there's not many contracts being signed so far, um, there's a good uh, fair bit of business being done in securing men already there on new deals, George. Key men, uh, particularly, at, well, all three of them, Lee Ashcroft, Paul McGowan and Sean Byrne are integral parts of James McPick's side. Obviously, Lee Ashcroft... I think he, he won all the trophies last season, didn't he? The player of the fans, player of the year, and players, player of the year. He's been a huge player since he arrived. Or huge since the turn of, throughout the entire twenty twenty one. He was he was excellent. I think he ended up scoring about nine goals, and, uh, and obviously was very strong at the back. Paul McGowan. It's just you can't. There's no stopping Paul McGowan at Dundee. It seems like it just keeps going and, and powering on. It, he tells us he's as fit as he's ever felt, um, and he's still got that turn that nobody in what twenty years, what his career must be, what seventeen years or something, nobody's figured out how to stop that wee turn in the middle of the park. He, he seems to be able to spin away from it, anybody. Um, and I think Sean Burns a, a huge player to get tied down at a new deal. Uh, obviously, there's a wee bit of interest elsewhere from him. Yeah, Bertie. Maybe a few people raised their eyebrows at Dundee giving McGowan a new contract at 34, but even if his game time is to mm-hmm. be was to be reduced in the coming 18 months, he's a good he's a good one to have about the dressing room, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I think he merits it, Tom. Yeah, um, and his, his previous eight seasons at Dens, I mean, we've done the we've done the 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 Tilly Player of the Year, and I think he's been. He's been either top on a number of occasions, or he's certainly been in the top three, almost right throughout that time. And it shows there it are thereabouts, is what yeah. they say when they haven't <laughs> yeah. done their research yeah. properly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are thereabouts that'll do for me. He, he's, his name always cropped up anyway. After when I was tallying the points, yeah. his name was always up there, whether he was winning or whether he was in the top two or three. And that's that is Paul McGowan for you. That encapsulates what Paul McGowan has done at Dundee over all these years. He's been brilliant, but more than that. 
his consistency level is quite outstanding. He's always a seven or an eight when it came to putting the points down. He knows, he knows, he didn't, I mean, obviously in games, nobody plays brilliant in every single game. You get flashes of brilliance or you get games where everything just goes for you. But even when Paul McGill was having what he would describe as not his best game, he was still able to do a job for the team. He was still able to stop the opposition in some shape or form. He was still able to G on his teammates. And that's what Paul McGowan gives you. And I think it's a no-brainer to give him a contact. And, and obviously that'll take him up to nine years. And I would like to think that he, he would, you know, he would see, he would get his testimonial season in as well. I would like to think that they would go on and That'd take that nice on. I know that would be a nice, a nice fitting, uh, contract for it's him. It's actually just crossed my mind. He, may, he, he could also get a job coaching players on how to conduct post-match interviews. I was thinking of the boy Luke Shaw after Man United's defeat against Wolves when he was like, I'm not sure if we're all together and I'm oh, and, and and there's a way to say things. If you're going to blast them, blast them. Paul McGowan. He's brilliant. When, when, he's, when yeah. he has a go at his teammates, nobody says he shouldn't have said that because you know he said it in the dressing room and there's no <laughs> humming and hawing about it. If something's good, he tells you it's good. Yeah. If something's bad, he tells you it's bad. And he is, a, is he, he is an yeah. actually he's a he's a, a in terms of inter, being interviewed, he's an he's an example of players how to how to broach sometimes difficult subjects with both barrels, basically. <laughs> it's usually spot on as well. Yeah. There's usually very little you and he can never argue misses with. himself. No. He's 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 been a tremendous player since he arrived at Tens Park. It's been what twenty fourteen, I think he arrived. Yeah, it's and I think he's I think he's in at the top thirty now for all time appearances, which is saying something as well. It doesn't happen very often in, in these days, uh, modern football. But I, you leave even the when I was a lad stuff to us, George. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's still. Uh, the best interview I think I've ever done. And I didn't even ask, I don't, I don't think I even got to ask a question with that rant that he had at Era United. It was just, uh, what are your thoughts? And then five minutes. A, a five, yeah. six minute interview. You were lucky. If you got to a third question, you did well yeah. because he just spoke. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, and it's another thing about, if you're getting, if you know you're going to be interviewed, think of what you want to say. And if it's yeah. worth saying, you don't have to feel difficult questions because you just say thanks very much. That was gold. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes he doesn't even hear the question. I think he just says what he's, he's going to say, and usually it's spot on. And I think you're right; he will no doubt say it and more in the dressing room. I would expect the one thing I've enjoyed about not having fans at the stadiums is, is hearing Paul McGowan on the pitch because you get to hear some of the stuff he's shouting. I can't repeat that on the podcast. No, I'll have to put the explicit Let people know. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's usually, it's not just blasting players and having a go. There's usually there's a, a positive aspect, even if it's a harsh comment or whatever, that he's, it's for the, the betterment of the team to try and G his teammates on it. There's nothing, never any kind of personal spite or whatever in there. Yeah. It's, it's in the best it's for the good of the team. Um, yeah. I have and to say, it crosses my mind that a few referees' hearts will have sunk when they saw his new contract. Because <laughs> <laughs> he lets them know too. But no, I think, I think it's a, a good bit of business. And that Sean Byrne it certainly is a good bit of business. He, he's, you can see they've they've missed him a big big time since he's been injured, uh, anchoring that midfield and, and putting a bit of bite and tackles and stuff like that. And very, very good on the ball. So I'm delighted to see him get his new deal. Good stuff. Well, having eulogised Paul McGowan, in part two, we'll go to someone at the other end of their football career. Right, moving on to United. Kerr Smith. Good deal, bad deal for United, Bear? It's a good deal if we get that two million, I think. I mean, that's that's the, that's the price that's been, the figure that's being bandied about in, in most of the headlines in the newspapers today. Um, obviously I think that will depend on how many appearances he actually makes for the club and we know that that could be a long way off. I'd be interested to see what United actually are getting up front for Kerr Smith. Some people have estimated it could be 800,000, which I think is a fair reflection on the talent that lad could possess. So if they get that, yeah, I think that that, that's fair enough. Obviously you're you're disappointed to see a talented young young player leave, but I think if that's the sort of compensation we're talking about, then I think that's that's reasonable. Um, for the lad himself, uh, obviously 
there were a few clubs interested in him. Stephen Gerrard maybe had the heads up on him already, having having managed up here with Rangers and you had seen at first hand the potential that Kerr Smith had and, and, and that's why he's got him. But he's going to a big, big club in Aston Villa and a club that are moving in the right direction, yeah, Tom. They are moving up, up the table with a with a manager they've now got in charge and there's no stopping them at this point in time. And Gerard, obviously it, the move hasn't been concluded yet, I don't think, Georgia, is it? Not quite. Bec- Having his medical. Yeah, because it came on, I actually, was, <laughs> I was watching, I was working last night and uh, I was watching Sky Sports, it came on and Aston Villa, breaking news, Aston Villa, and I thought, well, they're waiting to announce Kerr Smith. I, sh- I should have taken a shake to myself, it was Philip Coutinho, obviously, being announced, it wasn't a Kerr <laughs> Smith, but... Um, yeah, Keir Smith will go in there. I mean, I'll be. I mean, amongst the Aston Villa fans, it might not make too many ripples at this point in time, but they could have a right good player on their hands, Tom. Yeah, well, I must admit two th- two things that sort of raised my eyebrows is a at this time of the window because he's just turned seventeen and he's only played a handful of games, and Aston Villa are working on Coutinho, but they're also this is the other one they're working on right now when Gerard wants maybe another three first-team players. So it hmm. tells you how highly he rates them. Also, I was interested to see that Everton having... I'm trying to remember, it's Nathan Patterson, is it? Having signed yeah. a 20-year-old yeah. defender from Rangers for a lot of money, Everton also wanted them too. Now, you've got a young defender, but this who plays the same position, same area of the park, this, boy, th- this kid is so impressed their scouts. It looks like... A lot of scouts from clubs down south have said this is a must-buy player. You have mm-hmm. to try to get him, and in those circumstances, we'll touch on the disappointment for fans, maybe. But in those circumstances, it's it's impossible for a club the size of United to turn down that kind of money. I mean, a, a week ago, I think they were talking about was it three or four hundred thousand pounds, and now now they've got within a matter of a few days of they've, they've doubled that an immediate income and it could be two million pounds difficult to turn down George isn't it it's, uh, yeah and there was there was other Premier League clubs mentioned we were talking about Crystal Palace last week and I think Southampton were mentioned as well so there's there's definite signs that the big clubs down south are looking up here and seeing there's some talent to be to be picked up which is good in the long run for our national team I would say uh, I would prefer to see these players Kerr Smith playing a bit more for United before he heads heads down the road, but as you say, you can't you can't turn down that sort of deal as a club and for the for the lad either. It's, it's difficult to say no, you're not going. Uh, when it, it might be a chance it doesn't come again, you never know what happens with injury and stuff like that. Um, I do think it's on top of getting a bit of cash in, which obviously justifies the, all the investment United have put into their youth system, it benefits United in the future when they, they try and maybe sign good young players from, from elsewhere or for their academy and they can point at Kerr Smith and say, this is what we did for, for Kerr Smith. It gave him the platform to move into the United first team and he got his, his big move down south. We can do that for you. Uh, and that could be the difference between a player heading to another club or, or going to United. Um, in the future, they can use that to attract even maybe even better young talent in the future, which I think is just a positive all round, really. It's, it's good money, 800,000, I've talked about it, but it's pretty gall and, and it's it's a real, it's a no-brainer. I mean, Villa get him for 800 grand. Now, hopefully for them, he goes on, breaks into that first team um, and you need to get the two million. But if he breaks into that Villa first team, can you imagine the sort of figure that we're talking about for a, a premiership yeah. defender? Uh, I mean, we're, we're well, doubling United that two million fees straight, straight away. St- suddenly uh, starts going yeah. up towards five, six, seven, eight, depending on how many games he plays. And even if it doesn't work out for Kerr Smith at Aston Villa, they will still be because he's going to be part of their sort of setup for the next two or three years. They will still be able to shift him on. You would think, and at least recoup the money they've played uh, paid United for. So you think it's, United it's, it's, would get a chunk yeah. of that as well? They'll, they'll yeah. have a bit. Of, yeah, you yeah, There's a sell-on clause, but it's. It, I mean, I never. I mean, I. I, I I wouldn't have a tenth of a percent criticism of United about this deal, especially the the, the what's gone on uh, in the world in the last couple of years. Clubs have to look at their finances, but it is it is galling. I mean, bear when we were lads, it was sort of you were losing your best players after. I mean, 
going right back to when I started watching Dundee, John Duncan had scored, I think, 100 goals for Dundee before he mm-hmm. went to Spurs. But now now you're, it's almost like 100 minutes of first-team football. Oh, yeah. And yeah. if you're good, if their scouts spot you, you're, you're gone. And it's, it is difficult for fans, isn't it? If you think of Suter, Gold, Smith now, there's a, there's a few others, hardly, hardly had any time in the first team. That's that. That's that's a, that's the disappointing thing. We're not really seeing these guys anymore. They're not getting a chance to become legends at their at their own clubs because they're whipped away um, so quickly by you know the, the predators down south. But that's the world we're living. Now, as you, you're talking about John Duncan going down to Spurs. John Duncan was an all-rounded player, and and the, most of the players who went down at that point in time were rounded players. They were, they yeah. were, they were signing for English clubs, and they were going straight into their first team and doing a job in the, in their first team. But the world we live in nowadays is the Scottish market is, is is good for English clubs. You see the millions that that, that English top flight are having to shell out for first team players. <clears throat> so it's worth their while to go and have a look around and and and, and Hoover up the talent. It's a gamble. It is. A, there's no. There could be no doubt about it. It's a gamble. But the money they're having to pay. If they, if they sign three or four sort of young lads for say a million quid each, if one of them hits the hits hits mm-hmm. the jackpot and comes through, it's paid for. You know, yeah. and you've got it, and, that, and that'll continue to happen. And it's to the detriment of our game, which is which is unfortunate. Um, but un- unfortunately, until the riches of, of of the 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 sort of Sky TV and other other sponsorship whittles its way up here, but we're not going to see clubs being able to hold on to these players. But you've got to say the money that comes in may allow United, as George says, to go and you know fund more 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 youth development, and also. Boost their first team because at the end of the day, that's what that's what it's all about. They maybe be going and bringing a more experienced player, you know, i.e. Tony Watt, hopefully before yeah, the transfer yeah. window closes, and that may help fund that sort of sort of thing. Yeah, and also, I, mean, I hate to use that word tactics. That's for managers and coaches, George. But it's maybe reflective of the the way modern football's gone. That two of the two of the first deals that are done uh, in this area are. In, are in Scotland are fullbacks going going to the big league if you like and it shows how how much of the value I mean I, I remember speaking to speaking to Jim McLean uh, when Fraser Wisher uh, turned him down and United uh, I'm not saying he wasn't disappointed he wanted Fraser Wisher to play uh, as his right back but he said I can play Bowman and McAnally at right back and before that, he could play John Holt at right back mm-hmm. and Billy Kirkwood, who could also play centre forward. The two of them, and <laughs> and in those days, it, it was possibly the last bit of your team you filled. I mean, I used to play fullback. That's how easy it was to play fullback <laughs> at a very low amateur level. I used to have to say, but you know what I mean. But now, now it's a big, big position. They're the ones that are getting the mm-hmm. ball. They're the they're the big attacking option, aren't they? Yeah. Well, interested to see. Kersmith's played centre-back as well, so I'm interested to see what Villa see him as, but you're right, the Patterson has a lot of money for a, a Scottish right-back who hasn't really played for Rangers either. Um, but I look at the I do like team I support. Him, I I yeah, I like him as well. He could be he's a unlucky not to be Trent Alexander. Yeah. I, I look at Manu, the team I support down south. and I could be ten times a Luke Shaw. <laughs> No, but people people are talking about tactics that Ralph Rangnick's tactics apparently aren't working because the fullbacks aren't good enough going forward. Mm-hmm. And that's how crucial fullbacks have become to, to the modern game. Uh, in an attacking sense, people don't really care if you can defend anymore. No. I must admit, as, as much as I, I, I love him for my beloved Liverpool, I think the boy Trent Alexander's got a long way to go as a defender. But it's what he does with the balls so superb that they, they just seem to gloss over that all the time. But the number of times I see him on the wrong side of an attacker, which is part again, it goes down to the tactics that they play fullbacks in a certain way that others have got to cover for them. Yeah, but no, as I say, be interesting to see what where they see Smith as because he's, he's big for such a young lad. He's he's a big lad. So. I, I, don't, I don't know where his future would be. If How be big is he, George? I've never met him. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't must get, admit, I don't get another, to do another, another, another flaw in my research. But you're looking, you're looking now at an English Premier League fullback. Yeah. Six foot, you're thinking more in terms of fullback than centre half. 
because yeah. the centre halves down there are huge. That was always the thing that was going for Big Lee Wilkie. He was the right size for for a move to England, but he couldn't be bothered. <laughs> but anyway, back from to his knees. So, uh, but, oh, yeah. God, that was a poor excuse. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's not working anywhere near here just now, is he? <laughs> I never you, just we, no, not. you just wonder with all these fullbacks, these top fullbacks we've got, and you've mentioned a few that Parson going to Everton. They've obviously got one up at Aberdeen as well, Calvin Ramsey, who's who's getting yeah. for a move a move down south. We've seen uh, his name escapes me, the Hearts guy who went to uh, Bologna. Yeah, um, Hickey, him and Hickey, they're, they're, yeah. And you've got, I, I think, is it not Udinese looking at the boy Welsh yeah. from Celtic? Well, right. He's more of a. So we're doing something right. There, there, there can be no doubt about that, but it's how Steve Clark shoehorns every one of them into that Scotland team is the problem because he's managed it with Kieran Tierney uh-huh. and, and Andy Robertson. But can we get a few more fullbacks in that team <laughs> yeah. at the same time? I know, you could have three on either side, the way they're producing them just now, couldn't you? But going back to United, late last week, just as we uh, just as we were suggesting on the podcast, it would be interesting to watch their goalkeeping situation and they signed a, a big fin, Carl Johan Eriksson, latterly of Mialby in Sweden. Yeah, I've, I can't I can't pretend I know a huge amount about him, although he has played for Finland, one cap just before cap. the the Euros. Um, so obviously they rate him twenty six and one for the future. Just as importantly, twenty six and one hundred and twenty five appearances under his belt. Now yeah. we'll tie it all in. I've no doubt the reason he's arrived is Seagrist will be on his way either this month. Or in the summer, Benji Segrist had nothing like that number of games when he joined United at a similar similar age. Yes, yeah, Segrist was well touted when he was young, wasn't he? And yeah. then kind of faded a wee bit. Been at Aston Villa and stuff. Yeah, so it's a good age for a goalie. Obviously, Bear will know that better than me. But um, plenty of time. Yeah, but he's he's ambitious anyway. He's already been in in the, the Courier and the Telly saying. I shouldn't have mentioned the courier there. Why did you mention the courier? That's how that. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Yellow card. You cut that out, George. (laughs) Um, Not of the podcast. Just cut it out of your mouth. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, But no, he's wanting to challenge Benjamin Segrist right now for the first first team spot. That's what you want. So, exactly. Um, Obviously, Trevor Carson had headed off out on loan. I get well. We'll see what happens with Segrist, but I get the feeling that he'll still be there until the summer. But oh, that's an interesting prediction. That's that's just my own gut feeling. I have I've nothing to back that up, but that's just it feels like he may still be there. But and Bear, as I said there, I mean, one hundred and twenty-five games. That's not that's not a bad number for a goalkeeper in his mid twenties. I mean, yeah, some some yeah. come in and uh, maybe because they're exceptional or because there's no one else in that club and get a lot more games but is it yeah i've never seen the guy in, in the in the flesh or you know and or, or even sort of any sort of on tv or anything like that but he certainly looks an imposing character the, the pictures that are taking him and he looks ready to play he looks ready to play so yeah he's certainly he'll be pushing Segrist, um for that number one spot but i mean of benji's stage you would expect him to to keep the gloves, yeah, of course. But I think looking ahead, obviously, you've got to suggest that, that I mean, Benji's not signing a new deal, so he will be leaving in the summer, I'm, I'm sad to say. But here, he's done a fantastic job for Dungeon when he does go. But it may be an opportunity for Tam Courts towards the end of the season to introduce, you know, Ericsson and get him a few games under his belt rather than sort of starting them yeah. off at the beginning of the next season. You know, we'll see how things pan out and I'm sure that Tam Coates would, would, would like to be in that sort of position where he, he, he can bring him in um, but he, he looks like he's ready to go which I always think is good for a backup keeper too often in the past you see backup keepers coming on you know and they're, they maybe look a bit raw and we've seen it and, and they look they look edgy you know because it doesn't matter how many times you go to half time and 
uh, when you see Bobby Gerris lobbing balls into the box and you catch every single one of them and you're put under pressure and you're playing in the team and it's an in-swinging corner and you're getting barged about by opposition strikers and things like that. It's you know, much easier to catch so. a cross in the warm-up. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if you've got a guy who looks as though he's ready, ready to sort of just step in, no, no problem. And it'd be a good, it'd be a good, a good position for Dundee United to be in, certainly um, over the second half of the season. Aye, and we're still waiting. Uh, I mean, Seagrist, will he stay now? And will he stay until the summer, or will he go? Rangers mentioned, I've heard that this could be Alan McGregor's farewell season. Um, if you were Rangers, whether or not that's the case, would you would you want Seagrist in now? Uh, probably, although you've they've already got John McLaughlin there as well. His contract's ending this summer as well. That, it doesn't seem like he's signed a new one, so they're certainly on the lookout for a goalkeeper. Um, I think it's pretty clear they're looking for a, yeah. a, a number one, a new number one yeah. to replace uh, McGregor long term, whether it's whether it's this summer, if you give it, it up, would or be next. for any club, it'd be preferable to get the player in as early as possible, get him used to the place, used to the training. Whether he's not, he might not play that much, but he's ready to go when the season starts. Um, if that happens, they'd have to pay United a bit of money. So, I guess we'll wait and see if that and, happens to be the move he goes for. Yeah, and like Beer says, it's one of these great things. I mean, Rangers, you're talking about sort of winning league. United, it would be United secure a top six place and then maybe a top four place if they hit form, ideally, uh, in the weeks ahead. And with maybe three or four games to go, you can bring your your man for next season in. Uh, but it does strike me, that, I mean, well, come on now to... Is Tory Watt going to arrive uh, this month? Are our Motherwell going to hang on to him until the summer? One problem with signing a player on a pre-contract bear is you could end up getting a guy in the summer that's not played for six months because his club, his old club, say, "Well, we are safe or we've reached our goal for the season, so we're bringing someone else in, and you're going to be sitting on the bench." Yeah, that would be tricky. I mean, I don't. I think if you get him in, in the summer and he has been playing games, it's not an issue because you have got the summer to get get players up to up to speed. But if he's if he's sat on the bench, I mean, that would that would be counterproductive for Motherwell to to do that. I don't know what the situation is and how close it are to 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 bringing Tony Watt in. It may be the case that Motherwell wants someone in first before they allow Tony Watt to leave. But then again, if and the story is out, you know. Tony Watt, by all accounts, is set to sign a pre-contract or he has signed a pre-contract that hasn't been announced yet. It's an awkward one for the player, you know, at Motherwell, if, if the fans know he's leaving. I, I mean, I think it's slightly different for a goalkeeper. I, I, I don't see United fans, especially when, especially when a player... You always want to see players staying at your own club. But if they move on, they move on to better themselves. And if they've done well for you, then that, that's why they're getting a chance to better themselves. And if Benji goes to the old firm, there's no doubt, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge step for him. But it's a credit to what he's done at Tannadice. And I'm sure yeah. the fans would look upon it as that. Even if that, if that comes out to be the case and he signs a pre-contract arranger, it wouldn't be a problem. But turning it the other way, would Motherwell fans still look upon Tony Watt as, as the golden child? But like we've spoken about in the past, I'm not sure that would bother Tony Watt one way or another. No, I don't, think, he, I don't <laughs> think he's that kind of lad. He's had his, he's had his run-ins with managers in a few clubs, so he's he's, he's used to he's used to coming to the end of his time at a, a place. Uh, I think as well, I mean, we we know that Dundee United are a much bigger club than Motherwell, George, but Motherwell fans, they won't think that, let's say. And as Bear says, in those circumstances, it could be a difficult few months for Tony Watt, even sitting on the bench, because when you're sitting on the bench, you're even closer <laughs> to the fans. Yeah. And you could be getting pelters. Yeah, well, they'll just point at the league table with how well Motherwell are doing. Um, they're ahead of United in the table, and they're both fighting out for the same, same spots in the account. league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will. Um, I, th- I think it'll get done this, this month. Just have to look back a year ago when the Paul McMullen thing. It was slightly different, yeah. obviously, because McMullen wasn't playing for United. But eventually, the clubs just figure it out at the end of the window, and, and the deal gets done. And it's it's best for everyone, I would say, because what's not. I don't think he's played for Mullen has he since. I don't think he started. No, since no. It, it emerged that he'd, he'd 
signed the, the deal with United. Um, and interestingly, I see Graham Alexander calling for a tweak that they've done down south, apparently, to the, the what he called the Bosman rule of uh, if it's a I think in England now, if it's a club in the same division as you, you can't sign a pre-contract before April. But is that not a bit naive? <laughs> I mean, you basically, you, you'll have done the deal. <laughs> yeah, I, there's, I, I don't think anyone worries about tapping up anymore, do they? No. Um, all agent, it's done with agents and stuff. So, the, yeah, the thing, the thing would be agreed. I mean, we hear about it all the time in the big deals and, and across Europe and stuff. Um, and... Yeah, it's, I get I get the idea, and I think it probably in an ideal world it's probably a better way to do it. But I, I don't think it's realistic, as you say. Um, in an ideal world, we'd be sitting doing this in a sunny garden with a couple of beers. But, the, but enough yeah, of the I, politics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to move on to, to something else. Just see in the notes about Trevor Carson. What a story that would have been, by the way. If, you know, <laughs> oh. when it goes to Morecambe, and as we suggested last week, he's not going down there to be second choice. He's yeah. put right in the team for the cup tie against Spurs. They're, they're beating Spurs 1-0 with 20 minutes to go. On the other hand, you've got to feel for our old old chum up here, Kyle Leather and former Dundee keeper, who obviously had been number one choice and the big yes. game comes along and he's on the bench. Just left I don't even know if he's on the bench, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, you could just imagine Carson after an hour or so thinking, what a debut this is. And... 20 minutes later, thinking exactly the same thing, but it was just a different inflection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, right. oh, what a debut this is. Yeah. Uh, right, but it, was, bit, uh, uh, it would have been great for him. But I think I think the arrival of Ericsson suggests that Carson is likely to become a yeah. Morecambe player permanently uh, in, in the summer. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he signed for United to sit on the bench. No. Really, I think they expected Seagrass to... Move on until he got injured, and it's just the way it worked out. To I be guess. fair, George, when he's played, he hasn't like Dundee United down. He's played well no, in the games. Good he's done. Yeah, he has a, he has a, he's a good, good keeper. If he can keep himself fit, I think he has got uh, injury issues, shall we say? And hopefully, hopefully they stay away from him, and he and he, he gets a good run of games. Aye, and again, I think maybe I don't want to praise United too much here on one thing, but I mean, you mentioned McMullen, and United handled that very well last. January said, "Well, the boy's going. Let's let's get it sorted out." That seems to be their attitude, uh, and and Carson has probably come in and said, "Look, at thirty-one, being a backup goalkeeper isn't for me." And rather rather than turn around, which they would be entitled to do, and say, "Tough luck, you're going to be on the bench for the rest of the season. If you don't like it, you shouldn't have signed the contract." The United have immediately said, "Well, we've got someone else we can bring in." Off you go and play. Uh, and that's when you can do that, it's the right thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, it keeps, even if you're not getting the benefit of the player being there, it keeps people happy and stops. The players are always going to grumble for something, but that sort of stuff can spread if, if yeah. a teammate sees, sees a player maybe getting not treated uh, entirely fairly and just getting forced to stay there and that sort of stuff that can spread across across the squad so it's it's good squad management i would say and yeah that's it's, it's i think it's it's just the way you have to to work these things if if a player wants to leave then then you don't really want players that any no, squad if you that can, aren't, if you can aren't entirely him, committed if you can let them go don't don't keep them out of spite you only keep them out of necessity Great stuff. And now, after this, crowds. Yep, thanks to the First Minister. I've not said that a lot in recent weeks in my own time, I must admit. I've been sitting in my house. The crowds are back next week, just in time for the games. Dundee go to Livingston. And United are at home with somebody. And I can't remember who it is. That's just, the St. bodies Mirren. are coming to town. Is it St Mirren? I was going to say, oh, I should have just blagged it and said St Mirren. Because <laughs> I thought it was St Mirren. Short-term memory at my age. It's a terrible thing. Great it's written in the, the notes. 
I know. But I couldn't. Yeah. I'd started my sentence. I was desperately trying to find it in the notes. <laughs> but it's great. The main, the main thing, whoever they're playing, it's great that if you want to go, you can go. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Tam Course was in the, the, the papers um, today saying he felt it was a step backwards to, to going back to the 500 limit. And I, I agree with that. It was ended up only being one game, thankfully, but it, it wasn't a great experience up at Pataudry and, and no away fans no, at all. Dundee no. fans weren't able to get get up there, and so there was only five hundred. I, I watched. I watched the Celtic yeah. St Johnson game, and that was just not the same as St Johnson Celtic. It was. It was just. It was awful. Even though I did and, see it was a big yeah. crowd at McDermott Park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you see you watch all the games down south and the, and the darts and stuff, and it's, it's all absolutely packed. It's it's a bit. It's quite galling. Uh, it does. See it seems bit. to hit you. I've noticed a few games in the, you know the game some areas of Germany and stuff like that. I've watched wee bits of games and some there's a crowd at some and there's no crowd at others and that sort of thing. And, and that maybe bear brings it home more to you. If if everywhere's the same, mm-hmm. you don't notice if it's empty so much. You get used to it. But when you watch one game and then the next game you watch, there's like there's thousands of a difference at matches. It's a, a, yeah, yeah. Shows how difficult was, that was, it is. That was the goal thing, I think, especially when when they, they stopped in and you were looking at games in England and, you know, they're all enjoying themselves and capacity crowds, etc. But more importantly, for, for the finances, Tom, I mean, I don't think clubs would have, would have been able to cope with another raft of sort of attendances at 500 and getting the lifelines from the government. I mean... You know we've got through this hopefully now for for the final time and uh, you know football is about fans. We've seen that and there's some massive games coming up and even at the start of next week, you know there's there's a, there are, I think Rangers are at Aberdeen. I think if I'm if I'm right, um, certainly big big attendances. So yeah, looking forward to getting back. I've got to say I'm hoping to be at Livingston next Tuesday to watch Dundee. Now whether. Hopefully we'll get more than five hundred, but you're just never too sure when you when you're at Livingston. I mean, the I'll gates watch are the out for you sitting on your own yeah. away end in yeah, the highlights. Yeah, but I almost even I've, I've got to say, even if there's a smattering of of, of fans and a smattering of home fans, you still generate a bit of atmosphere, yeah. and I think that adds adds to it. And certainly, we've got the juicy one coming up. You know, right at the start of next month, the Derby match, which is going to be a sellout, and everyone's really looking to fo- forward to that. It's the only game in the city that sells out, so. Yeah, um, great to see fans back and hopefully we're, we're on the right path now. But fact is, for all we're welcoming the fans back and economically, certainly on a week-to-week basis, it's huge for the clubs. Even more important for Dundee and United next week, some points. They both they both could really do with victories, couldn't they? Yeah, you just look at the form for both clubs and it doesn't make pretty reading at all. Um, so... Which they'll have been trying to forget, but I've just reminded them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the break probably came at the right time for both both clubs, uh, and hopefully they've, they've used the time positively. Even there's not been too many incoming faces, but um, they're, they're massive games. Uh, Dundee, Levy, they're desperate for points. United are desperate to get back on track, uh, and. And stick points on the board again and get back towards where they were uh, just what, just a month or six weeks ago. Um, I th- yeah, I can't wait till it starts. It, I, I don't like I don't like the winter break as a a fan anyway. Just having no football up here at all, but having a three week winter break is even worse. I think so. I just I can't wait to get back in amongst the action and start talking about football as well. That's, yeah, that's what I'm interested in. Start. Talking about what's happening on the pitch, and even though it's a plastic pitch at Levy Bear, George was telling us before we came on that Dundee, Dundee don't mind about plastic. They seem, well, they seem to have mastered it. I mean, I was always a big critic of, and I still am, Tom, but when your team does well on it, you, you tend to change your view a wee bit, you know, because last season, especially Dundee, mastered it really well. And I think it was because in, in the Championship, Dundee had more than their fair share of guys who could actually pass the ball quite well. So playing on a plastic pitch, which is which tends to run true, rather than just lumping long balls, paid paid dividends for them, um, and they went on a terrific run. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, Dundee can 
you know, go on another a good run after the new year because the last couple of years we've seen that we've seen Dundee after after the after the winter break come on to form. So that's what they need to do now um, and pull themselves away from the mire at the bottom of the table. Never heard of it. Of course, my cat came yeah. in because <laughs> he, he's, he's been away out all night and he's wanting his breakfast. Yeah, you never, right. you never. It's the middle of the morning and he's wanting. His, well, if he comes in, if he comes in first thing, he gets his breakfast. <laughs> I, I did wonder why my dog's ears pricked up there. And yeah, I know. This is the this <laughs> is the be, this is the joys of virtual uh, podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, football. Bring it back. It's uh, but yeah, I did. Well, I'm trying to think who all the clubs are plastic were last season. Obviously, my club, Queen of South Alwa, and obviously the the playoff at Kilmarnock. Dundee, I think there was only that first one at Alwa that they had. A, that it was a bit sticky for Dundee. Ended up a three all draw, um, but the rest they, they really seemed to enjoy playing on it. So, Stats fingers Park crossed. Is- yeah, yeah. That, that's, that was why. I mean, going back to last season, that was why when I remember the first playoff game. And Dundee won two one at Dens, and Tommy Wright seemed quite comfortable because they were going back to Rugby Park, and it was on the plastic. And Kilmarnock had scored late on. He says that changes the whole complexion. But if you'd watched Dundee last season, Dundee were very comfortable in plastic, yeah. and that's why I always felt felt we had a chance of going down to Rugby Park and doing something. And so, it, so it proved. Unfortunately, we had to watch it on the TV. But there you go. Yeah, we can have a party. Like they can also no, no, go no parties. <laughs> no parties. They can also go just behind Livy in the table. So it's a massive match for. for yeah, it's just, it's, like you say. I I get uh, I get bored with the break because um, it's it's weeks of weeks of transfer speculation and a flurry of activity a lot of the time, and you're not getting to watch games. But it is a fresh start for Dundee and United. So like you say, the break came at a good time for them, and Dundee in particular got a lot of bodies back haven't they yeah that, that's been a, a serious problem they've had obviously Ashcroft's going to be out for a while which is a, a big big loss but Sean Byrne and, and Charlie Adam have been absolute key players for them um, Charlie of course will have to get the bus from his home in Glasgow yeah hope, hopefully the injury survives that um, <laughs> that'll tighten your so, hamstring yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I th- th- things are looking brighter for Dundee after the way things ended at the end of last year. Um, obviously, they looked a decent them- team. They started picking up points, and then they were decimated by injury to experienced players, and then COVID kicked in as well. So mm-hmm. it, it, it has been a difficult time for them. Yeah, you would you would hope to get a break on on the fitness front, eh? Yeah, it's been it's real key players as well. It's not just been kind of squad players that've been missing. It's through the spine of the team. It's it's big players. Um, also, hope that maybe they bring in a new face before the living game. That's what just less than a week, so there's still plenty of time. But they need a bit of a, a lift. I think the fans need a wee bit of a, a lift with maybe somebody coming in. Um, but if if the players can get on that pitch and give them a lift on the park, then then all all the better. And United as well, they, a win with St Martin would make things look a lot better and and remind them they're in a good position. Uh, interesting one we could have touched on earlier, it was interesting to see some talk of uh, Lauren Shanklin's Belgian club beer shot might be willing to let him go. But if, if he's going anywhere this month, the only place he could go is United because he's Played for them and Beershot and can't play for anyone else this season. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Dundee United fans would love to see Lauren Shanklin back in a Tangerine shirt. You know whether it happens or not remains to be seen. But um, yeah, I mean United's position, unfortunately for them, a lot of the a lot of the, the brilliant stuff they did in in the first quarter of the season was overlooked because they went on a, a poor run right before the break there. But George is right. I think the break came at the right time. They're not turned into a bad team overnight. No. They just need to arrest arrest the sort of Run of defeats. Get start getting back to the team that was able to pick up points and and, and you know grab an occasional one and they'll be fine. They'll be fine. United. They've got a nice points gap. What they can't afford is to allow the, the pack below them to to get closer. You just keep that gap and hopefully t- the form turns for you. And if the form turns as you said, Tom, and they get maybe get Tony Watt in and Tony Watt is is banging in goals. There's nothing to stop yeah. them. They're, they're still within good touching distance. They're going in the opposite direction 
and 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 clawing back and getting himself into the top six and and, and top four. If Tony if Tony Watt can reproduce the sort of form he showed in the first half of the season, if he comes to Tallis and does it again, he gets another 10, 14 goals. You think it'll be you think it'll be definitely yeah. close to you know a, a European spot when when Motherwell would regret letting close. them go if they do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's a gamble, but so it's one of these things too. It's a, it's an interesting time for United, George, because it's it's a thing where personally I think that it's about between now and the end of the season is about whether it becomes a good season or a bad season, as opposed to you know a disastrous season because I don't see them being in any trouble uh, down near the bottom because they've accumulated enough already and they'll pick up enough points to be in an or around the top six. But the one thing you you don't want, you don't want a prolonged period of, of poor results because then it can carry over into a new season, can't it? Uh, yeah, it's, I would say it's probably in the balance at the moment. Obviously, extremely good start and then uh, form tailed off quite badly towards the end of the end of the Christmas time. Scoring goals has been a big problem as well. It's um, That's a... An issue that I've no doubt they've addressed over a bit of time off, and that's something they really need to sort out. But they've shown they've already shown us that they can get right up the into the yeah. upper reaches of the table. So there's no the reason, can, yeah, and and yeah, exactly, and keeping clean sheets against the big teams as well. Um, it's, it's a really big game, I think, on Tuesday. Someone, it's, it's as Bear says that. The rock, just looking at the table, six points ahead of St Mirren at the moment, so that's a chance to open up a gap on the bodies. And losing that game obviously cuts that gap in half, and suddenly there's a bit of pressure on from the teams below them. But on the positive side, they can move into the top six with victory um, at the same time. So it's yeah, I think it's the seasons, as you say, I think it's in the balance at the moment whether they they now use the break in the best possible way and and kick themselves back into gear and get start moving up or the form continues and they start getting drawn into the teams below them which they, they don't want to see great stuff well I was going to say that's all we've got time for this week but we've actually used half of next week as well and there's not even been a game it's amazing If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.